0: So uh, we are in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9, and uh, the goal, Lord willing, is to go through chapter 2, verse 2. So that's the goal. Good to have goals and to set them, I think. But <clears throat> if you will uh, flip there with me. We're going to look at verse 6, and we will read through chapter 2, verse 2. I'm in Ephesians for some reason. Boop. Okay. Oh, moved my ribbon to Luke with the kids. Okay. 2 Timothy 1, six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel, according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffered these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me, in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are phygellus and Hermogenes, The Lord grant mercy to the household of Anisiphorus, for he has often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses... Commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Lord, we believe this is your word for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as Paul is writing from uh, a Roman prison cell, just waiting for the footsteps of the guard to come and lead him off to death, a Roman death of decapitation, uh, he's writing his protege, Timothy, who is overseeing the church church. In Ephesus Paul realizes his time on earth is almost done and so he's making sure that that his follow-up is ready and able to carry on the mission of God uh, with the truth of God uh, with the apostolic faith and just as Paul is in a prison cell with chains or chain uh, he is preparing Timothy for that as well And so he, as we studied last week, has encouraged Timothy to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the ministry that he's called him to. Later on, he's going to say, fulfill your ministry, do the work of an evangelist. And when you're doing the work of an evangelist, you're going to be suffering. You're going to be persecuted. And so he says, and just remember with that, that God has not given you a spirit of fear but a spirit of power, of dynamite power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will make you witnesses to the point of being a martyr locally and regionally and globally. He's going to take you out with power to preach the gospel. A good kind of take you out. He's going to take you out to go and preach the gospel. And so don't be ashamed of me and my chains. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Don't be ashamed of me as prisoner. But be bold, be proud, be proud, about the gospel. And so uh, with that being said. What is the gospel? And Paul gets into that just a little bit. What the gospel is. He says that the gospel is that the Lord God has called us. He's saved us in verse 9. He's, he, it was great to hear Tyler talk about being saved and being rescued. Because saved in the Greek is the word sozo. S-O-Z-O. Sozo. He rescues us. And he heals us out of the, the terriful, terrible, terrifying torment of sin and of death. And not only that, he has purposefully thought of us and he has called us. I always think of, uh, you remember Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg, you know, and she's in there pretending to be a nun and and they're all, when did you get the call? You know, and she's like, a call? I don't know, it was like 3 a.m. You know, she doesn't know what they're talking about. She doesn't get what the call is. But we Christians know the call that, that God in his sovereignty, in his foreordination, fordina- for he is Uh, predetermined he has seen from beforehand those who would believe on him and at the same time he's he's also called those who would believe in him it's a bit of a mystery but he has called us and that calling that he's called us to is a holy calling it's a calling that's not about what we've done or what we can do or anything about our own works but in his own purpose of grace his own it's just what he does this is what you do Uh, it's the song that we sing nowadays this is what you do you make us come alive this is what you do you have a purpose of grace you have a purpose of favor you have a purpose purpose of giving us free gifts and it was according to the purpose of the gifts of God uh, in Christ Jesus and that's important part that it's in Christ Jesus that those gifts come before the world even began and so all that being said, there's something so beautiful and rich and sweet about the gospel. So don't be ashamed, Timothy, of the testimony of the Lord or of me, the prisoner, who's, who's suffering for the sake of this gospel. And the story of the gospel goes on, and this is where we pick up afresh today, is in verse 10. You'll notice that this purpose of grace was given in Jesus before time began or literally before time's eternal and that's something that we we have a hard time grasping that don't we 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 have a hard time there's someone outside of time who who's got a handle on it all you know he's outside of our realm so he sees the end from the beginning he's the alpha the omega the beginning and the end he he sees before the foundation of the world he sees the end of the world so he knows everything and and before time began he had the understanding of what was going to happen in the fall? What was going to happen in rebellion? What was going to happen through, you know, you know, give them the law and they break the law and they can't do the law, you know, and those animals slaughtered for sin and that that doesn't atone for sin. And well, that's all pointing to a better hero that's going to come and he's going to shed his blood, his perfect spotless blood for the sins of humanity. And, and but he's not going to stay dead. He's going to rise from the dead. How do I know? Because I'm outside and I'm God and he's God and he's going to rise from the dead. And, and, you know, there's just this great from time eternal uh knowledge of God but not only that it says it says that it was in Jesus before time in verse 9 and then in verse 10 it says but now it's been revealed so it was predetermined but now it was revealed and of course he's writing from the first century so he you know was a He was a contemporary of Jesus, although he was against Jesus. And he says all that predetermined stuff, it's just been totally revealed and made clear when Jesus came on the scene. And he validated it all by not only dying on the cross, but from rising from the dead and tons and tons of witnesses have seen it. And so verse 10 says that uh, now we're we're beginning to get it. In fact, there's the saying that, that the old testament as many of you try to read the old testament and i know you're struggling but just keep keep going and muscle through the the quicksand of the Leviticuses, you know and and the genealogies and just get through because the lord has something to speak and even those things but but if you read the old testament it's it's said that the old testament is jesus christ concealed and so there's like this mystery of some champion who's going to come on the scene and every time you read of of a hero in the old testament it's just pointing to a true and better hero that's going to do what that guy did but in a far greater and a more incredible way okay so these are they which speak of me old testament is concealing jesus but it said that the new testament is revealing jesus all right um and then you have uh the, the the book of acts that is jesus proclaimed Uh, through the apostles. And then you have the epistles, the letters that the apostles wrote, Uh, everything from Romans all the way through, uh, I mean, let's just say revelation for the sake of it. Uh, All of that is the apostles explaining Jesus. So the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. New Testament is Jesus revealed, especially in the gospels. And then in the book of Acts, it's Jesus proclaimed. And then in the epistles, it's this whole story explained, okay? And so all of this has been revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And what has Jesus Christ done? I hope you have a pen on you. Do a little underlining. I've got three right here. I'm just gonna, you know, chuck them out to you. But uh take your pen, take, take your highlighter, highlight it on your cell phone because he has abolished death. Amen. That's that's crazy. We have never had any greater enemy than death. You know, quoting from previous sermons, it's been said that no man is wise enough to outwit death. No one is wealthy enough to to pay off death. Death always had the final word. Death always had the victory enter in Jesus. Jesus came on the scene to conquer death. And he kind of prerequisited that with, you know, the lazarus of the world lazarus 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 is, is, is. okay i don't learn good uh so homeboy's dead in the tomb for a few days He's got the stank on him and jesus comes along and raises him from the dead and he says, just as, this, as, the, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so I'm going to be three days and three nights in the belly of the earth, but I will rise from the dead. He rose from the dead. First Corinthians chapter 15 says he was the first fruits. He's just the first one of us now who's going to rise from the dead. He's the first fruits. And it was there that the prophecy was fulfilled that said, Oh, death, where is your sting? As a Christian, we don't have to have the sting of death anymore. All right, we don't have to fear it anymore in the in the bible It says that death is just sleep now for the christians. It's just like going to sleep And so death doesn't have a sting anymore Hell doesn't have a victory anymore because jesus has come to abolish death and thinking of this this week I'm, like abolish 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 Where have I just kind of heard that? What comes to your mind? Slavery right? The abolitionists, right? The history that we have, in fact, the history that the world has of slavery, and of course it still continues, but we've got just this, this rich history of abolitionism. I did read a little bit this week, I think. Uh, late 1700s going on through the 1800s of men and women who would rise up and preach against the wickedness of slavery, And so I just kind of, I was like, man, who are some of these guys coming to mind? Remember Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman. Here's a guy, what a name, huh? Anyone having babies anytime, Put this down in your baby book. Sojourner Truth. What a name, huh? Uh, William Wilberforce, of course, in Great Britain. Harriet Beecher Stowe. I believe she was Uncle Tom's cabin, am I right? Uh, William Lloyd Garrison. Uh, you watch uh, Ken Burns' movie, uh, The Civil War, on Netflix, and you'll hear about uh, John Brown, a little bit loco, but passionate for abolitionism, and and of course Abraham Lincoln. You know, and so to just think of these people who, man, you know the the boats that were coming over from Africa, filled with just filled in horrid conditions with these poor men and women and children, these souls who would come and be enslaved. And the men and women that stood up, just these champions to bring freedom to the slave population. And as incredibly powerful as that story is, great story. You've got one who is a true and better hero to all of humanity. Humanity who has come to conquer death as a whole like death was the end of slavery death has been the end of war those are all means to that nasty end and yet when jesus comes on the scene he has come from a purpose that was before the world began all the way to when he showed up and he said lazarus come out and he's like this is just the beginning guys I'm rising people from the dead up in here, you know? And then he did it himself, to himself. He has abolished death. It's been said, death is in fact the one word which summarizes our human predicament. And you know, that's so true. Everything that comes from our sin, so just think about your life, and as you go through life this week, think about just the harsh word that you speak and what that does to the person that you spoke it to. It just stole joy from a moment in the home, you know, it, it brought a rift in a friendship, you know, just anywhere that there is a fallen condition of sin in our lives, just think what that does, and what that is just ultimately is death, that just brought death, it brought death to our community, it brought death to our home, it brought death to the joy in our home, what, what, that is just the, the sum of our fallen condition. For death is the wage sin pays. It is the grim penalty. And yet Jesus comes to abolish it. Let me just define abolish. It means to make ineffective. You're not, in, you're not effective anymore, death. To make it powerless. To make it idle. To nullify it christ has nullified the power of death it could be translated so think of the abolitionists and then just completely uh multiply it by a billion and you have just the end of death for all of humanity not only that but he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel so obviously death is gone, but so then what takes that place in that void is life. Life and beauty. And if you've, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, or at least seen the movie, I mean, hey, some of us, that's, that's how we roll, right? And, and you read about, you know, the wicked witch and the lion, the witch, in the wardrobe and how she's just brought cold ice to all of Narnia. And when Aslan, the lion, comes on the scene, Just the whole world begins to see just ice melt away and springtime come. Wherever the lion would come, life would come. And that is a picture of Jesus coming into the world. When he was revealed life and immortality, immortality, that's like, that's not so much fairy tale stuff, but it is the stuff of of adventure, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's like Indiana Jones stuff, you know, it's, and a lot of times it's the bad guys that seem to want immortality, (laughs) immortality, you know, whatever, you know, but we got the good guy bringing it this time. It's going to be the good that will never die. He brings goodness. He makes us good, and then he makes us live forever. He brings it to light, and I love this phrase, bringing it to light, because it's just out of, of Ephesians. I think it's chapter three, where our God is the God who takes darkness that's in our life, so think of think of the bad stuff think of the bad stuff you've done (laughs) he shines his light on it and he reveals it you guys saw my scorpion on facebook that I found in my kitchen this week 4 30 in the morning right like that little homeboy didn't expect me to be like showing up in the morning he's like and literally he's in the path to my coffee pot I'm just like barefoot there's a dragonfly on the ground kind of weird what turn on my phone flashlight Ah! like not a scorpion snake guy sorry i'm tough in a lot of other areas but when it comes to those little buggers you know you don't even want to know the drama that unfolded and how am i going to get rid of this thing that's story for another time but that little bugger was exposed okay and when the lord uses the light of life and the light of the word of god to expose we're exposed caught red-handed But the gospel takes us being exposed in our sin. It breaks us down and brings conviction. I shouldn't have been here, is what the scorpion said. My bad. My place is out on the rocks. I'm in sin. (laughs) He brings grief over our sin. Okay? And then what he does, and Ephesians says this, then he makes darkness light. He takes what was darkness, and only he can do this. He's that holy. He takes our junk, and he uses it for his glory. He, he transforms it so we have a testimony, and he even he can use the bad stuff and turn it to advance his purposes. Only he can do that. He brings stuff to light. He makes stuff light. He brings life and immortality to light. Now, in the poor little buggers case, He's now the Crook County Landfill's problem. He's not dead. He's inside that garbage bag like, somebody let me out. Somebody will, for all you pet lovers out there. Don't worry. Trust the Lord in that. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we have had such histories in the globe of things like the enlightenment. You know, oh, the en- I'm, now we're enlightened, you know. And, and there's probably some, I, I'm on a little level with you. This guy don't know a whole lot about the Enlightenment, okay? But I did read a little Wikipedia this week, okay? And while the Enlightenment did a lot of good for the world, it also brought a whole lot of humanism. It also brought a whole lot of running from God. It brought a whole lot of self-strength. It brought, you know, those are some of the things that it brought. And while we would dub that portion of our history as the Enlightenment, there's a better enlightenment out there. There is the life and immortality that comes to light in the gospel. It's what Jesus has done. Because he has conquered death, no longer does the little thing on our tombstone have to read rest in peace, but it can say CCD, Christ conquered death. We can have a whole nother hope as we go towards the grave. Listen to how the Phillips translation translates verse 10. For Christ has completely abolished death and has now, through the gospel, listen, opened to us men the shining possibilities of the life that is eternal. Shining possibilities of the life that is eternal. Now, you're going to notice as you read these sentences that there are always these qualifiers to these things. This life and immortality, this, this hope, it's not apart from Jesus. It's not apart from what Jesus has done. And you've got to get that because we live in a culture that accepts so much of what we would like to say about the Bible life and immortality yeah man i'm not gonna fault you on that count me in i might even come to some bible studies about that but when you say it is through jesus christ alone that it is by grace alone through faith alone in jesus christ alone that's where you'll begin to see a sword brought and division between you and some of your closest friends because it is through the gospel you see there in verse 10 that these shining possibilities of life that is eternal are shown to us. Look at verse 11, to which I was appointed to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. And for this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. So because Paul has been given this ministry as a preacher and a teacher, all of these great ministries of open mouth proclaiming and heralding but also explaining sometimes doing it together sometimes doing one separately you got to know that whenever you open up that mouth you're going to be able to say like Paul in verse 12 for this reason I suffer you're going to suffer And he's telling Timothy you're going to suffer he's saying Timothy I have suffered because of this and so the question is when can we expect suffering when we open up our mouths talk about the gospel when we post that facebook post telling people of the life and immortality that's been brought to light in jesus christ why you always gotta be like that preaching the bible thumping and blah, blah 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 you know and we're like oh i'm so persecuted here in america you know it's like you know some people in cyprus you know some people in uh you know senegal you know are like man we would take that persecution for a little while that is like a drink of gatorade for us over here you know but in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19, it says, So let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. Peter tells us all about suffering, and he says, Man, if you're going to suffer, suffer because you're doing the will of God. If you're going to be going to prison, if you're going to be spending time in the slammer, let it be because you are innocent and you're just testifying of Jesus. That's a beautiful thing. And when you are suffering, and you're suffering according to the will of God, you can just rest. You just be like, you know what? You made me. You created me. This life is yours. You put the breath in these lungs, and like my mom always says, you can take it out, you know? And so I trust you as you're just my faithful creator. And so as you're going through the trials of life, this, of course, is a great application for you today, but specifically within the context of suffering for the gospel's sake, man, don't be one who's suffering because you're an idiot, you know? Be one who suffers because you are walking in a, in a holy life, and a holy calling, preaching the gospel of God. John Stott said, no man can preach Christ crucified with faithfulness and escape opposition, even persecution. Don't be afraid of it, though. Don't be ashamed of it, though. But rather, partake in the sufferings. As it says just a little earlier in verse 8 towards the middle, share with me in the sufferings for the gospel. In other words, take your, one of the translations is take your part in the sufferings of the suffering gospel. Take your part. Do you know this is for you today? I get it. There's a little disconnect. Like, yeah, I know, Rory, like, uh, you got 1837 to finish up your point here because frankly, I'm going back to my work job tomorrow. I barely even see a person and, you know, I'm going to be throwing tires or I'm going to be building cabinets or I'm going to be working in an office cubicle, you know, or I'm going to be, and like, really applicable? I don't know. There are people around you. There are people around you all day. There is family around you. There are people that are perishing. And the Lord desires you to see them with eternal souls, and not just from the outside, not with their failures and their blunders and the way they annoy you and rub on you. Look past that and see what the Lord sees. And and now you can behold men as eternal souls with value And with the heart of God in you, you've got to open your mouth to them. And as you open your mouth to them, the suffering, the backlash. And as Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount, count it all joy. You know, rejoice when they persecute you and say all kinds of wicked things against you and revile you. Because that's what they did to the prophets who were before you. That's what they did to Jesus. You're part of the crew. You're part of the crew when you suffer kind of initiation so go on out and suffer a little bit this week look at verse 13 this is one of the keys verse 13 and 14 it's one of the key passages that gets behind what this letter was written for hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus so again Paul's on his way out Timothy's on his way in Timothy's kind of taken the reins of the wagon and so hold fast to them follow them retain them what you've heard from me keep them this pattern of sound and healthy words i was studying that the word pattern here can be translated outline and it's the same language that's used as architects sketch out a pattern before they add the details or as an artist sketches the design of a painting eric got to have you show us someday, man, uh, our painter friend over there, you he, he would sketch the design of the painting before completing it. Or as a writer would start an outline of a paper before writing the manuscript, script. so too Timothy is to follow Paul's outline and then expound it and apply it. He's not allowed to adjust it. The outline has already been made, the standard, the canon of the word of God. We have it so keep the outline, you can't change, you have, do not have permission, you know, you do not have author's permission to change the outline of the good book that we've got. One man said our outline was written with the red blood of Jesus. You guys know I love my kids, I love talking about my kids. Well, right now Titus is learning a little bit about coloring, you know, so he, he'll be four in October and we've got the coloring outlines, you know, there and and one way i like to color believe it or not and one of my favorite ways to do it since i was a kid is to take the crayon color and kind of push hard on the line uh and go around wherever that color going to be and outline it with the color and then i lightly shade in that that's how i color you care i know um and so i'm trying to teach titus this. i'm like so first outline it outline it you know and then lightly color it. Lightly color in. So, okay, now you go ahead and do it. Look, you know, you're like, uh, uh-uh. yeah. You murdered that fish. That's not even the color it's supposed to be. That is the life flowing through its fish veins. Okay. But that's what some people are doing with the gospel these days. We've been given the sound pattern. The healthy doctrine, the healthy word of God. And they are coloring outside of the lines, my friend. You got to help them. Got to help them along. Like, man, I don't, that is not exactly what the whole of the Bible says on that subject. Verse 14, that good thing that was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. That good thing. A lot of the translations call it a good deposit. There was something very good left With me, Paul, and now I am leaving that very good thing with you, Timothy. That good thing that was committed to you. The truth that's been entrusted to you. The treasure that's been put into your charge. The gospel is a treasure. You need to guard it. And how do we do so? It says, by the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. You know, we've been spending time praying as a church just for more of the Holy Spirit, more gifts of the Holy Spirit, more outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon us. Not so we can have goosebumps on the back of our neck and warm fuzzies and all of that stuff, but so that we can be bold with the testimony of Jesus and so that we can use the gifts that He's given us to build up the church and to go testify of Christ. And as we spend time abiding in Jesus, The New Testament example is that he continually pours out the Holy Spirit upon us so that we can guard that thing that's been put into our trust. Every single one of you, you've got it in your hands today. You've got that leatherback book that is fool's wisdom and you have been entrusted it so that when you go to your workplace, you keep it with you. Remember when I was in high school, I I used to pack my big old open Bible study Bible to every class that I was in. Because I wanted to be able and ready to give a defense for the truth that I have within me. So keep it with you in your truck and in your car and at your cubicle and in your office and at, the, at your you know, fishing hole. Keep it with you. Guard what's been committed to you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and you'll be able to do so. In verses 15 and 16, we have examples of those who've been ashamed of the testimony of the Lord Jesus and of Paul, his Is minister, but we also are going to see a beautiful, unashamed example. Verse 15: This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. All in Asia. And Asia was a term used to describe a specific Roman province. And as you read back in Acts chapter 19, When the gospel went to Ephesus, there was such an incredible outpouring and work of the Holy Spirit through the apostles and preaching the gospel. It says this ministry continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So it was that Grecian province there and two years of outreach ministry and the whole province had heard of the gospel Um, and uh, they'd heard the word of the lord jesus and yet not that long afterwards when you're preaching the gospel and we read it with our kids in luke this week i have not come you think i've come to bring peace i've actually come to bring a sword how could you say that jesus jesus the prince of peace how can jesus say he's come to bring a sword come to bring division come to turn mother against daughter and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, let's be honest, that was already happening. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. You know, friend against friend, how, how is that? That doesn't sound very godlike, does it? When the gospel comes, it confronts our worldviews that we are so pridefully hanging on to in our arrogance. And it demands that we humble ourselves like little children and bow before its truth. We don't like doing that and we don't like to hear it from our moms we don't like to hear it from our mother-in-laws or our daughter-in-laws we don't like to hear it from the guy we went to high school with who are you to tell me we were in the same geometry class that's pride that's ego and because of that there will be division because of unrepentance there will be division and sadly not long after all Asia heard the word of the Lord all asia has departed from paul they've been ashamed of his chains they've been ashamed of the testimony of the lord and of paul the minister it's been said that the great awakening had been followed by a great defection and it's obvious that these two guys Fagellus, which i feel like i've got phlegm that i need to (coughs) phagellus and then hermogenes which is like some sort of milk processing you know i don't know you got these two guys you know and it's just a bummer in the summer because they have disappointed paul and it's in the holy writ for all of eternity like man when you mess up against paul like people's gonna know about it right at the same time when you bless the ministers of the lord oh man that is written that is written in the books of the lord we only read of onisiphorus here in second timothy in verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chain. When he arrived in Rome, remember Paul's in Rome, so he's in prison in Rome. Onesiphorus sought Paul out very zealously and found me. So compared to all of Asia who's defected against Paul, we now have this one man in his household, Onesiphorus, and it's been said that he's a terrific exception someone else said it he was a stellar and he used alliteration but uh rather it was a sterling opposite no it's not it but it was just sterling in the way that he was different than asia sterling in the way that he was different than flagellus and hermogenes check out this guy often refreshing Do you have anyone in your life that in jesus they often refresh you Being around him is just like a cold drink of cool water. Wasn't ashamed of my chain. Zealously seeking him out and finding him. It's almost something out of a movie. You can just picture it happening here. Paul is somewhere here in Rome and I've got to find him. How many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. But what is the thing that Paul seems to be praying over Onesiphorus? That he would be shown what? mercy that he would be shown mercy I hate to break it to you but we're not going to make it to chapter 2 today and by friday night i was just like the lord was like i want you to go into chapter 2 i thought it was the lord i couldn't not study for chapter 2 but obviously now we're just not going to make it there and that's okay because we're going to spend a little time in chapter 2 verse 1 paul says but you my child be strong in the grace that is in Christ jesus but we're going to hold off on the grace part for next week we're going to look at the mercy of god real quick just look back in chapter one of 2 timothy in the greeting of paul to timothy in verse two to timothy a beloved son grace mercy and peace from god the father and our lord jesus christ in reading it was, it was said that grace mercy and peace are three streams that flow from the throne of God. Streams that we can just be dipped into. And we're gonna st- we've been studying grace. We've studied grace today. We'll always study grace. Study grace next week. Grace. It's a beautiful thing. But mercy. Mercy. Compassion. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. That's been hitting home for me. I know myself. I know my sin. I know how I need mercy. And I want to be quick to show mercy. As I was listening to Pandora, and I think it was Elevation Worship Radio, in one day, three times, a song about James chapter 2 came on. And the songs were along the lines of, you delight in showing mercy mercy triumphs over judgment and it's taken from james chapter 2 verse 13 for judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy but mercy triumphs over judgment it's a really beautiful song i encourage you to to google it it's your, and then the chorus which it goes into grace is your grace and your ways you're making all things beautiful Your grace. Mercy is grace. It's unearned. I don't deserve mercy. It's your grace in your way. This is what you do. You make all things beautiful. When we deserve judgment, the Lord loves to show mercy. I encourage you this week to look at all the ways that you, you got the right to throw a little condemnation out there. You got the right to kind of stomp on someone. And I just encourage you to examine yourself before the throne of God. You know, where's mercy been shown to you? Mercy triumphs over judgment. In the prophet Micah, chapter 7, verse 18, who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? What God is like you? You pardon iniquity? You pass over the transgression? It goes on to say, He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in mercy. The Lord's working that in me, I think. Maybe not. Russell, don't ask Russell. There's a lot of repentance every Sunday morning when we take communion together. I'm sorry, son. I'm sorry. I want to be a good dad. I want to represent Jesus. I forgive you, dad. I love you get up there and preach basically what you say you're the best dad ever really i mean you know who is like you dad i mean something on those lines he delights in showing mercy and you know what that is a fruit russell rogers loves jesus and he is very quick to forgive very quick praise the lord he's quick to forgive me and really russell you're an example for me that i want to be quick to forgive people i want to be merciful to people There's a spiritual gift, actually, that is mercy. My sister and I were talking about this recently, and people that have failed us, and just how we're almost to a fault, quick to be merciful. And it says that that gift of mercy or compassion, do it with cheerfulness. Do it with cheerfulness. That's in Romans chapter 12, verse 8. We can have the worship team come back up, because that makes me be quiet. Technically, I still have two minutes left, so... I'm teasing. And so Timothy was to resist the trend of Asia, and he was to follow the example of Onesiphorus, and we're going to see next week how is he going to be able to do that. Spoiler alert, by being strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let me leave you with a couple application questions, and we'll post these to Facebook, and you can talk about them in your core groups and This passage leaves us with a question. Which example are you? As you hear the word of God preached at this church, and we desire that nothing that we say be of our own opinion, but that we would have the authority of the Bible leading us. As we have a vision and a mission that's printed on our back wall, we have a purpose as a church here. And we've been encouraging you to follow us as we follow Christ. Here's the question. Do you line up with Phagellus and Hermogenes more? Or are you an Anisimus, rather Anisophorus? Are you quick to flee when the faithful and obedience and boldness are required from you? I've had a couple men in my life who just said, I want to be a guy that lives a life where faith is required. Are you living a life where faith is required? Are you quick to get out of those situations? Are you a loyal servant like Onesiphorus? Are you an encourager? Here's a question for you to think about. How would you express the pattern or the outline of the gospel in three short sentences? Remember the outline? How would you share the outline with somebody? Are you able to articulate the gospel? I challenge you this week to start working on that. I was on my way out to a branding where I desired to preach the gospel. i go out and I brand calves with these guys all the time. And I just have a heart for them. I'm praying for them. And I just longing to preach the gospel and have opportunities. And the Lord said, as I was passing through posts, he said, preach the gospel to yourself right now. So I just start preaching the gospel to myself as I'm driving out there. And later on that day, after Branding's, you always have delicious food. We're sitting there feasting. And one of, like, the top cowboy guys who just, he's, everyone really respects him. In front of everybody says, hey, if you could teach any of your teachings, what's your favorite one? What would you teach? Tell me about it right now. Um, And I got to share. And everyone was surprised this is going on. Everyone's like, oh, oh, oh you know, everyone, and I talked about my favorite sermon is the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because it's the crowning proof of Christianity, and if what Jesus said as he rose from the dead really happened, then everything else that he said is true. I got to preach the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus to some incredible men of the country out there in Polina. So pray for them because even in the last week there's been more advances of the kingdom of God in their life. It's awesome. Pray for Polina. So what would you be, well, if you were asked, speak it in three short sentences, what would you do? What do people today want to add to the gospel? And what do people today want to take away from it? Do you have a friend you would call spiritually refreshing? And do you know someone who needs to be refreshed by a friend and lastly have you ever been tempted to abandon a fellow christian what kinds of situations give rise to such temptations for you why don't we set our things aside and great application questions for us to ponder this week and I know that nobody, I'm told all the time, don't mention the clock. And I I do it teasingly to myself and to you sometimes. And and we just do take time though now to wait on you, Lord. To just let your words sink deep. What, What beauty we saw today in verses 9 through 16. What beauty that that God our savior has saved us and called us with a holy calling if you're here today that calling is for you as well you don't need to be confused about it just God's calling you he desires that you would be saved he wants to give you a very special calling on your life and it's not according to works It's not according to the good you've done or the bad you've done. You couldn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's all because of his own purpose in grace. That grace that's in Christ Jesus before eternity passed for you. That should make you feel special today that God has had gracious thoughts for you since eternity passed, and that should make you feel safe today because God has had purpose of grace for you for eternity future, and it never had anything to do with you and your labors and toils. It's all about his gift, and that has been revealed to us now in Christ Jesus, and we have the history to back it up. This Jesus Christ who has abolished death What a word for you today who your whole life have been subject to fear. You've been in bondage to fear of death and now you can actually welcome it as a friend, a good nap that's going to take you to be in the presence of your creator. This Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Lord, I just pray that we Crineville, Oregonian citizens, Lord, that we would not be ashamed. You know us, Lord. We are a fickle folk. Lord, you know us. We can be so timid. Lord, we will defend our favorite sports team. We will defend our favorite political agenda. We will get red in the face and we will go to bat for it. But when it comes to just talking about you, Lord, we shrug away. I do. I shrug away. I'm afraid of the face that I'm going to get. I'm afraid of the reaction. Lord, we confess that today. And we just pray as we gather in the name of Jesus Christ that we would be filled with the Spirit and have boldness and courage. All across this room today, Lord, that just the people that would never expect to open up their mouth about Jesus and to lead someone to Christ, that this week you would give them an opportunity to do so, that to be part of the mission, to be part of the crew, and to not be afraid of the suffering. That that is a mark of sonship. Lord, let us be the Onesiphoruses. We repent of being Asia who's departed of you, Lord, and we just want to be the faithful brothers, faithful sisters. And I invite all of you today who maybe for the first time would come to jesus because he came first to you i would invite you as we close with this last song to stand to your feet with us christians to become a christian today to become a follower of jesus and to let the standing to your feet just be a declaration of such as we close in this song if you want to be one who is not ashamed of the testimony of our lord And you just like the fresh pouring out of the spirit of God upon us for boldness and courage. Let's stand during this last song. Let's receive that power by faith and let's go from this place and take ground. Even you who for the first time would receive Jesus today, you can stand with us to become a Christian, putting your faith in Jesus, trusting in what he's done on the cross and in the empty tomb as he's given you life and immortality through the gospel. Let's worship together in this last song.